Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. to us as God was talking to us now I said would you be hold and be bold and I realized for some it doesn't really land and we needed to massage it a bit but I encountered this quote from a guy named John Falcon said I have but one candle of life to burn and I would rather burn it out in a land filled with darkness than a land flooded with light I don't know about you I want to live that life I want to live that life Sunday was a big day for us and then um it, it was a long day, really tired. And Monday morning, got a phone call that rocked me a bit. And it was a man who's been involved in my life, um, a family member who uh, I've had many discussions. He's written books. He's an incredibly successful man. Many discussions about the gospel. I've mentioned him here before. But he wasn't well. And the platelets he was receiving for his cancer treatment weren't working anymore. So it, it had gone from years to hours. And he, he phoned and he said, would you come and sit with me? And um, when I got there, I said, why? Why do you want me to sit with you? And I prayed and I said, God, give me time with this man. Because in all our conversations and discussions, he's never crossed the line of faith to put his faith in Jesus. He feels like a hypocrite. He feels like, that's what he said. He said, I can't receive because I feel like a hypocrite. I said, why? Why do you want me to come sit with you? He's my uncle, Uncle John. And, and he said to me, because, I don't know. He said, your presence comforts me. And I just saw the incredible privilege that we carry the presence of God that comforts people into any and every situation. And we got to talk. We spoke about grace for about, I had a three three hours and 20 minutes. I prayed, God, give me five minutes with him alone. I had three hours and 20 minutes alone. He passed away the next day. And um, I'm so grateful to God, but I'm reminded To be honest, when I got the call, it was the last thing in the world I wanted to do. I was tired. I preached three times on Sunday. Life was busy. My family needed me, and I got this call, and I didn't feel like I had resources. But it's in those moments where we remember, I've got one candle to burn. Why talk about a vision for a church? Why speak about leadership? Why celebrate ladies moving into different stories? Because you, sir or ma'am, have one candle to burn. Don't save it for eternity when in the light of Jesus it won't burn. It it won't be significant. We have a candle to burn in this life. And we're talking about this this concept of beholding, which means to see, to view, to be caught up. And the definition that has gripped me, that has gripped my heart and captured me is to give undivided attention. It's a word that in the King James Bible is used about 1,600 times. Behold. To give undivided attention to the King of Kings. I love John and everyone's raving about John and they haven't seen the ministry of John the Baptist or John the Baptizer. Apparently he was a Baptist. But he was John the Baptizer. And, um, but, but they're raving about his ministry and then he exclaims and he proclaims, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is calling a people who are rallying to him and he's saying, Would you give your undivided attention to Jesus? Would you behold him? This incredible implication that it's because Jesus is the Lamb of God, described as the Lamb of God right at the beginning. Why? Because he would come to be sacrificed. He would come 
like a lamb to be slaughtered so that the world could receive his love. It's a hard thing to sit with someone. I've got a, I've got a, a burning inside of me to charge you to equip yourself to share the gospel. It won't always be with a man on his deathbed in his final hours. It won't always be that. Normally, it's someone at a coffee table or at work or someone in the traffic who's broken down or someone, a neighbor, just another day bumping into them. Are you equipped to share the gospel, sir or ma'am? Are you equipped like John the baptizer to say, Behold, the Lamb of God has come to take away the sins of the world. I think that boldness doesn't come from Christian strategies or three points how to do it or a course that we run our church. We're going to do an emboldening course for Christians. It doesn't come from any of those things. It comes from us being a people, me being a man who is able to give undivided attention to the King of Kings in a busy, noisy, noisy world. And here's what 2 Corinthians says, and I'm going to just read the scripture Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of God, and being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. There is this beholding journey. As I behold Him, I become transformed. I am transformed to become like Him. And it's a deep truth. It's a deep, deep truth. Why is parenting such a radical responsibility? Because they behold you. And when they behold you, they are not watching what you say. They don't hear that. Actually, they hardly ever hear that. What they see is more important. If you've ever watched someone mow the lawn, I tried to mow the lawn the other day and I'd forgotten the basic principles. And I had to remind the basic principle is pick a spot and go at that spot. Otherwise, your lawn looks something like mine did. You teach someone to drive. If they're trying to focus on every line on the road, they focus on the yellow line, they start doing this. They focus on the middle line, they start doing this. There is a focus point. And I'm, today, I don't have time to work the Scriptures, but I'm telling you, this Scripture calls us to be a people who beholding His glory, giving Him undivided attention in a noisy, busy, busy, busy world. He gently takes us. And he transforms us into his image. Who is the church? It's not a meeting on a Sunday. It's not a, the cause. Oh, they're the guys who run Alpha. That's the church. It's not the church are those who have seen him, who have beheld him, who have received that grace. And it's that grace that pours upon us like a waterfall that cannot be contained. I'm sitting with my uncle. It's tough when there's family and stories. I know his story. He knows mine. He's known me since I was born. And he says to me, Mark, I don't understand grace. You know what the tragedy of the story is? He's been in a church for 25 years. He's been attending church pretty regularly for 25 years. And for 25, he hasn't encountered grace. And if you haven't encountered grace, you haven't encountered Jesus. Life changes at this time. We were going to step into speaking about the things God has called us to, but I felt an earth stirring on us to be a people who, like John the baptizer, would call the world to behold him 
It's not about my love. It's not about the things I've achieved. It's not about the riches I think I can boast on. It's about the cross, and I will boast only in knowing Him. That is where and what behold means. You know, the challenge is we live in a beholding world. I saw this statistic, the American Psychiatric Association, who are looking at why are young people struggling so much and entering to such radicalism is because by the age of 18, a U.S. youth will have seen 16,000 simulated murders, would have seen 200,000 acts of violence because of media, TV, the world that we live in. And young people are beholding this And I would present to you, as many have done before, it's not my statement, what we behold is what we become. What are you beholding today, sir or ma'am? Who are you beholding today? And I don't have time to work through the full example, but there's a man named David in the Bible, and he gets the highest acclaim. In Acts 13, it comes from Samuel, the book of Samuel, but this is what it says of David. God testified concerning him. It says God testified. This is God's testimony of his son. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. It's a radical commendation from God over this man's life. And this man, before a certain point, that I want to mention, he had the most radical journey. And if you want to read it, go look in the book of 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel. It's this journey from shepherd boy through to David, Goliath, the the killer of Goliath. And then he goes on a journey. God anoints him. And he keeps, and every time he, he beholds God, every time they get a claim, he brings it back to God. He finds himself back. Then he goes on this journey, and Saul, the guy he served, the guy he loved, chased him. He had the opportunity to kill Saul. What did he do? He chose to behold God and not kill Saul. He had the opportunity to take a claim for himself. And every turn he chose to behold God, to make God his undivided attention. And the journey continues and it goes through 2 Samuel 1, 2 Samuel 4, and a whole bunch of victories. He conquers Jerusalem. He, he, he defeats the Philistines. And this amazing moment that many of you know, Sunday school, if you're ever in Sunday school, the, the ark arrives and, and they bring in the ark and David is not scared to strip down to his undies and worship God. And behold the king of kings. When the king of a nation worships the king of kings, something is happening. And it carries on and he gets victory off the victory. And there's this journey. God gives promises to him. He defeats the Ammonites, and, and it's like he has nothing he couldn't do. And at every turn, he builds altars to God. He worships God. He teaches people how to mourn but still give praise to God. This is David. But then let me tell you about David. 2 Samuel 11, in the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walking around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful and David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messages to get her. She came to him and he slept with her. Now she was purifying herself from her monthly uncleanness. Then she went back home and the woman conceived and sent word 
The woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I am pregnant. This is David. That guy who God testifies about him has God's whole heart. I think we can learn a few things from this man's moment of madness. And to me, it's very simple. Four things happened, and I think they were beholding decisions. Because let me tell you, beholding is a decision. In a noisy world where there are a thousand people, things, voices, WhatsApps, messages, emails that want your attention, in a beholding world where I have a decision to make, will I behold him now? Will I give God my undivided attention? David, every day, had to make a choice. After every victory, he made a choice. But this day, he made a bad choice. He says he chose not to go to war. Let me just make a statement about that. As believers, there's this fallacy that we get saved into the safe zone. We get saved into the safe zone of, I'm saved now, so everything should be perfect and everything should fall in place. And I want to tell you about the gospel that says, actually, the minute you get saved, you get pulled into a spiritual wall because you are standing for a kingdom and you are part of an advancing story in that kingdom. You're not saved into a safe zone where everything's going to be hundreds. You're saved into a place where you are in utter reliance on the king of kings. And that reliance is drawing on the resources in our beholding of him. And David chose not to go to war this day. And our strength comes from the fact that we ultimately know the outcome of the battle. Isn't that good? So we can sing songs with confidence because we know the outcome of the battle. But here's the challenge. We need to keep getting up. When there is a lure to sit down in comfort. We've got to learn from David's life. David, this man after God's own heart. David stayed seated on his roof. I suppose the challenge to us is, have you stopped going to war, sir or man? This scripture has landed on me. I spoke about it with the leaders. But have you stopped going to war with your sin, with your smallness? Have you stopped going to war with the idols that keep you from beholding him? Because there's the thing, our hearts have a capacity limit for worship. And I'm designed to give him my worship. But when idols creep in there, what happens is my eyes stop beholding the king. Secondly, it says he walked around the roof of his palace. And I feel as we go into this beholding journey, because I'm so excited about the be bold. I want to be a part of a church, and I am part of a church, with people like Kathy who are bold with Robin Estelle, who are bold, and the many others that are here who are bold. And we call to make bold statements, but it's nothing unless we remain beholding him. And David, this amazing king, chose to stay on the roof of his palace. And to me, the hardest, most difficult place to remain beholding God is when we've had success and God's actually answered our prayers. I've walked in the church for many years. I've seen some phenomenal, phenomenal prayers answered. Radical, supernatural stuff. And the tragedy of it all is too often we are like those ten lepers who get healed and only one comes back to behold him. And the challenge to us today is will we remain beholding him rather than sitting on the good things, the answers, the roof of a palace. Sounds pretty good. Don't know about you. I wouldn't mind sitting on the roof of my palace a few days. Sounds like a good life. When I started out a shepherd walking sheep through a felt. 
That's where I started. Now I'm on the roof of a palace. And God says, on the roof of your palaces, will you still behold me? Will you still give me your undivided attention? And then from that roof, he saw a woman bathing. And here's the crux. I think we see many things, but I'm called to see one. I will see many things in this life. I have an opportunity every time to make a choice which one I will behold, which one I will give my undivided attention to. And David, in this moment of madness, this moment of maybe wear and tear, maybe he'd been entertaining ideas for a long time. We don't know. But in this moment, when he was called on the roof of his palace to behold the king of kings, he looked down and saw a woman who looked good to him, and he beheld her. And you know what? He became an adulterer. He became a murderer. He became the king who sent his warriors off to war, and he stayed at home. He became that guy in one day of taking his eyes off the price of Jesus. You guys are very serious this morning. I want this for us. I want us to be known as a people of boldness. I want that. I want people who walk in here with no confidence, brokenness and stains all of their lives, all over their stories, to encounter the King of Kings and walk out, whether it's to Durban or Qatar, the ends of the earth, walk out with boldness in the knowledge that they worship the King of Kings and He has washed them clean. But you know where that comes from? It comes from a place of beholding. And how did David get back there? Just read the Psalms. He says, God, I know I messed up, but please don't take your presence from me. I think he's known as the man of the God's own heart, not because he did what he achieved before he fell. I think he's known as the man of the God's own heart, how he responded when he fell. And in that place, he had a choice. Well, I self-justify? We're so good at self-justifying. I'm a king. Will I find reasons for it? Or will I just get back to what I know I was designed to do as a shepherd boy with my harp, praying out in the felt where no one could hear? And now I'm a king. Will I get back to the place where I'm on my knees again? And will I behold the lion and the lamb? Will I behold him, the one who takes away the sins of the world? Will I behold him again? I feel like this is a word for us. As a people, as we enter a journey that looks like boldness, but starts somewhere. King David, I've got to learn. And we get to drink of this blood that never fails us. What has your attention right now, sir or ma'am? Can we close our eyes for a second? I'm done. And, and I honestly believe the preaching of the word demands response. I just ask you this question this morning. What has your undivided attention? Not an Old Testament word like behold, and so we write it off. No, what has your undivided attention? Is it fear? Is it anxiety? Yeah, but you don't know my circumstance, Mark. I don't. But I know Jesus. Yeah, but you don't know my husband, Mark. I don't. But I know Jesus. 
Is it a bank balance on a Monday morning after payday? It's I'm all happy because the bank's full because I've just been paid and the fridge is full. But come the 24th of the month, I can't behold them anymore because all I can see is an empty fridge. These are the realities of our lives. This is what it means to walk as a Christian on this side of eternity. Can we in this moment encourage, like David had to, after he messed up in the most radical way, he went from a king to a murderer, an adulterer. He pulled others into that story, make them complicit to it. But he got back to the place of peace with God by doing one thing, giving him, giving the king of kings his undivided attention in prayer, in relationship. Life changes church. Can we do that again? And I would ask, even now, allow the Holy Spirit to highlight. Pray, Holy Spirit, come now. Highlight areas where we have placed our eyes on the wrong things and our hearts have followed. We want to be the people that you speak about in 2 Corinthians transformed into your image and your likeness. I pray, will you place your hand on your heart in an act of faith? I pray, Jesus, right now, to every heart, including this heart of mine, I pray, would you have all the glory, all the honor, and my undivided attention again. We behold you, the Lamb of God. Amen.